Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host Lance and I got a very, very special show for you today. So all week we're digging stuff out of the archive, stuff that you've never heard before on here, whether it be from my Patreon or Fan Expo or Lubicon or whatever. But today's show, I don't think I've ever aired or anybody has ever heard or anything like that. It's a, a pilot. Well, we actually did like three or four episodes of it, but this was the very first one. Uh, this was going to be a series that my friend Wiggy and I did where we were looking at Fight Club as a book and as a film. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that Fight Club is one of my like, number one movie book everything ever. So uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I, like I said, I dug it up and found it and it was a lot of it brought back a lot of memories, so I wanted to share it with you. Here it is. Welcome to the Paper Street Podcast. I'm Lance, and I want to put a bullet between the eyes of every panda that won't screw to save its species. And I'm Wiggy, and I'm polishing the brass in the Titanic. We're trying to hit rock bottom one chapter at a time. And today we're looking at chapter one. This is going to be the first episode of what's going to be, hopefully, your new favorite show. Um, as you heard in our episode zero, you know, we're big Fight Club fans, and we're going to just break down the movie and the book for you one chapter at a time. And today, like I said, it's the first chapter. So, uh, you looking forward to this, Wiggs? Yeah, man. I've been I've been excited about getting into this ever since we started talking about it. So, yeah, it's um, been been a while. I'm ready to dig in and see what we can find and, and go deeper down the rabbit hole on this deal. Slide. <laughs> uh, so, both the book and the movie, we start off, in, not in the future, but... Because we have the flashback, so I guess in the it, we'll say it's in the present. And what I thought was really interesting is the book counts down from ten minutes down to three minutes, and the movie just is three minutes left is all that they say. Um, did you kind of catch that little time reference? Yeah, there? that's crazy. I remember you mentioning that. I wonder if that was intentional. Like if that was something they read in the book and were like hey, this is where we're going to start it kind of thing. You know, the the minutes were interesting to me and, and like, how they were going to relate that to the movie and, like, where they were going to start it and if there was even any relevance to it at all. Yeah, because chapter one in the movie, if you include the title credits and the big fancy intro and everything, it's only the first three minutes and ten seconds. So I'm sure they looked at it and, like, we can't... We don't have seven minutes worth of stuff here, mm-hmm. so we'll kind of break it down. Um and you were bringing up, we were talking a little bit before the show off mic, you were bringing up some interesting, other interesting uh, differences as far as setting and stuff, uh, the daytime, nighttime stuff. Yeah, was, so, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, they're in a building at the beginning of the movie, they're also in a big building at the beginning of the book um, that's getting ready to explode and and essentially change all of history is, is what Tyler's goal was, right? So, But one of the things that I noticed that was interesting was in the movie, it's set in the middle of the night. Like, it's very covert in the shadows. You know, they're going to do it secretly and just kind of see what happens. But in the book, it's like in the middle of daylight. Um, and it's not just Tyler and the narrator in the top of the building just talking about stuff, but um, the, what do they call them, the, the mischief committee Yeah, is actually a couple of floors down and they're like shoving bookcases and stuff and filing cabinets out of windows and it's actually landing on the people that are down below them walking to and from work and wherever they're going so i thought it was interesting that 
they decided to do that in the middle of the day. Yeah. Well, and talking about the shoving the cabinets out and stuff, there's some imagery in the book. Because well, in the movie, there's, like you said, there's nobody shoving things out the windows. There's mm-hmm. nothing like that. Um, we do come to find out that maybe there was other people in the building by the end of the movie right. uh, when stuff goes down. But we'll get to that. This show is going to be filled with pseudo-spoilers, so hopefully you've at least seen the movie or read the book. But I thought it was neat that they were talking you know, about how the papers were like birds. And we know in the movie version... Tyler's trying to basically reset humanity. Mm-hmm. So thinking it's this is ground zero, which they mentioned numerous times, and the birds, you know, flying through the air, I thought uh, was cool uh, imagery that I think the movie could have benefited from. Mm-hmm. Even I think it'd been neat to see that in the movie. Yeah, but and, you know, the movie come to find out didn't have a huge budget. Uh, the the title sequence, you know, the really cool we were traveling through. His, the narrator's brain was put on after the fact. Like, after they made a good movie, 20th Century Fox was like, hey, here's somebody to do a cool title sequence. Right. And what David Fincher wanted to do was, it's the fear, like the fear synapses in your brain manifesting all the way out into the gun. And on the commentary, it's really neat. He even talks about how if they ever do a fight club ride, that that would be the ride, like you're on the the trail, which I would I would ride. Yeah. I think that would be cool. One of the things that that I really love about the movie and the book both is how descriptive they are. They're so very descriptive, and they tell a very good stories. And the book even goes into the details of the gun and the feel of it, you know, in his mouth and stuff like that, which I thought was very interesting. But you know, for David Fincher to do an intro like that where he went as far as saying this is what the synapses in the brain look like in a moment of fear I think that's just telling of the rest of the movie and the rest of the book of how detail oriented they are yeah and and they're easter eggs like they're these cool little things that you don't know about until later on yeah I I mean I think you can vouch on this I mean we've seen it hundreds of times and it feels like every time I watch it there's something else there's mm-hmm. another little thing oh, yeah. that it, it never gets old, it never gets tired. That, I mean, that's why we're here. But it, I thought it was interesting that, uh, and you you made the reference about the recipes. You know, in the chapter one of the book, the narrator goes into great detail of a bunch of different explosive recipes. And I'd heard that originally Chuck wanted to put like real recipes in there but the publisher was like no you, you can't do that you you can't publish a book telling people how to make explosives yeah. and uh but they don't hit on that in the the movie quite yet yeah which i thought was interesting uh because you again you were mentioning that you already lay a lot of the groundwork of the big reveal at the end mm-hmm. here in, in the first chapter it's only five pages mm-hmm. in the in the version we're reading it's only five pages long right so there's a lot going on there. Um, you know, it's it's all after the fact too. Like, I remember the first time watching it, and even the second time watching the movie before I'd read the book. And there's so much. You watch it the first time, and it blows your mind <laughs> how the ending comes about, and you're just like, I don't I don't understand after watching it so many times since then over so many years how you didn't know that was happening. And it's just so subtle. Yeah. And I mean, even in the book, like. We're reading things now that we're like, oh, that totally shows us the end of the book. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> right at the very first chapter, but you wouldn't know that otherwise. Yeah, I mean, and it's 
we both have our, our copies here. Um, it just the way he breaks stuff down. Uh, you know, you were talking about the details, but one thing I thought was interesting, and I, I would like to spend a, a little bit of time on it, is the exclusion of one word from the book into the movie, and I feel like it changes the set of the whole the whole tone and the the first paragraph of the book uh just real quick it's tyler gets me a job as a waiter after that tyler's pushing a gun in my mouth and saying the first step to eternal life is you have to die for a long time though tyler and i were best friends people are always asking did i know about tyler durden Hmm. and in the movie it's do you know tyler durden you know, people are always asking me if I know Tyler Durden. And I uh, I think that in the book, you know, and in the movie, both of them, the, the obvious answer is yes. But do you feel that that changes not only the story, but the relationship that the narrator has with Tyler, the relationship he has with the other characters in the book? I don't know. That's I never thought about that. That's an interesting leaving about out instead of just knowing um it's almost like he's it's almost like he's debating with himself in this first chapter if if Tyler's like this outside of body thing that's away from him that he doesn't understand or if it spoiler alert if it really is him yeah. if it really is the narrator because yeah when you say about it's like, I don't really know who this guy is, but then lots of times in, in the first chapter, he references himself and Tyler as we. Yeah. You know, and, and in a sense that now looking back at it, that we are the same person. We're doing these things together. And so, yeah, it's kind of a weird... I mean, because when I think about it, like, I know about George Washington. I know about Martin Luther King. Right. I, you know, I know about Chuck Palnick and Brad Pitt and Ed Norton, but I don't know them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think taking that word out puts more of a intimate look on it. Because, yeah. like, you know, I, I know my friends. I know you. I know the boys over at Blah Blah. I know my wife. I know your wife. I know I know a lot of people, but I know about even more people. Mm-hmm. So I feel by focusing on, you know, if I know about Tyler Durden, because if you know about somebody, you kind of, you understand their principles and their dreams and their goals. But if you know somebody, you know how they're going to get there and what they're going to sacrifice. And I, I think that the omission of that word is huge. I mean, I've been thinking about it the past few days, ever since I started taking notes on this chapter. And I, I think you could argue that you could change the whole narrative with or without that one word in the first paragraph. So you think the, the movie did better, did a better job of that than the book. Oh, episode one, and we're already diving into book versus movie. Which <laughs> one's better? Uh, you know, I I don't I don't know because if you view Tyler as an idea, and if you've read Fight Club two, which hopefully as the show goes on, we will get to talk a little bit more about it. Um, Definitely more spoiler alerts there. Oh, man. If you haven't read Fight Club 2, you, you need to. Go to your local comic shop and, and pick up a copy. I uh, Real quick, before we get... I haven't told you this yet. <laughs> Fight Club 2. So it came out... It's a comic book. Mm-hmm. 
I bought every issue twice because there were variant covers. Right. Then I bought the graphic novel when it came out, the collected edition mm-hmm. of them. And then when I actually got to go meet Chuck Palahniuk, they gave me another co- an autographed copy of the collected one. And then the other day, uh, I used some money I had left over from way back at Christmas and bought the library edition. Oh, wow. Which... I don't know if I want to open it. Like, part of me wants to buy another one. So, so you can open one? I, yeah, so at this point, I have five different versions of that story. Wow. Um, whereas Fight Club, the book, I have the first edition printing that we're using. And then, again, when I met Chuck, I won a contest where I got a leather-bound edition. Um, and I have a paperback edition. So yeah, Jealous. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. But in Fight Club 2, they talk a lot about Tyler as an idea, mm-hmm. as a disease, almost. Uh... And I think if you know about that, you know, and this goes back to not even people, like, you know about the Holocaust, you know about the Crusades, you know about all these missions of destruction, but to say that, you know, you know the Crusade, you know, it's mm-hmm. it gets back to that intimacy. And I think that having read Fight Club 2, I think the book does it better because Tyler is an idea. But before reading Fight Club 2, I would have said the movie does it better because Tyler's a person. Mm -hmm. So, yes and no (laughs) to your answer. but Non-committal. Yeah. uh, (laughs) If we're counting Fight Club 2, I say about is the way to go. If we're looking at just these two and not the whole story, then I say Mm. without about is the way to go. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if I have any thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I say it's just that one word, like five well, little letters. Though. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think you can, you know, you can, you know, a person, and you know about an idea. Yeah. I guess is really kind of what I'm trying to get to there. I want to know what Chuck thinks about it. Uh, hopefully, one day, Chuck, if you're listening, just holler at us. Um, at the end of the show, we'll let you know all the ways to get a hold of us. But. That's I don't know I, I just wanted to take a, a few minutes to kind of look at that and focus on that because yeah, absolutely I think when you break it down which is exactly what we're doing here when you break it down that it changes so so much and I know most people just either read or watch it and they're they're good to go yeah. but we uh, you know as we talked about in that episode zero this really affected us um, one of the things I thought was interesting that that we discussed earlier about chapter one is you know, Tyler says a lot of stuff like, we really won't die. Um, this really isn't death. We'll be legend. We'll grow old. Um, but in the first chapter, his whole thought process is they're going to die in the building. Yeah. Like, the very building that they're in is going to explode and crumble and, you know, actually destroy a museum, which we'll talk about that in a minute, probably. Um, but, yeah. and then towards the end of the chapter the narrator starts talking to Tyler like, no, you've got it wrong. Like, we kind of talked about, like, we were kind of debating the question that he asks right at the very end of the chapter. He says, where would Jesus be if no one had written the Gospels? And I really liked your insight on that. Like, what was your interpretation of what that question was? Well, with that, it, the sentence before that, he talks about, you know, we're going to be legends, or, you know, what, what are legends? And I made the point that legends... Are, don't exist without the story. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't know the story of Paul Bunyan, 
you wouldn't know. Wow, that's a random one to pull out. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Babe, the big blue ox. But, uh, you know, it, you if there wasn't that story, and even if it's oral, you know, hand-me-downs, you know, verbal stories or written stories, and the same thing with the Gospels, uh, using Jesus as an example, the New Testament was written by a lot of the apostles and things, and if if nobody's there to tell your story, you don't have a story. Mm-hmm. You know, they argue that history is written by the winners, but again, if there's nobody to write the story, there's no story there, and that's why I felt like in that moment, uh, the narrator was realized, hey, I can maybe play on to Tyler's ego and save myself by saying I will tell your story. Mm-hmm. So do you think oh, here's a crazy question. Oh, I have a, I have another one here in a second. <clears throat> do you think Tyler thinks that he's real? Do you think that he thinks he's standing there literally telling the narrator as an op- as a separate person this is the way stuff's going to go down? Because why would his response, why would the narrator's response be Wait, somebody has to tell the story. Oh, I think we'd have to flash forward a little bit to the big reveal where is a he you know, he makes a speech of sometimes we're you, sometimes we're me, sometimes we're me talking to you. Mm. And, but I think at this point that they've become so different. Um and again this goes back to Tyler as an as an idea, uh not as a as a human, but Tyler as an idea that you know he embodies what he is and tyler is tyler Mm -hmm. whether tyler is in your mind or tyler is a separate person he doesn't care Mm -hmm. he is tyler durden and so yeah i think as far as he is concerned uh he you know he can't tell his own you know he is his own being Mm -hmm. and because the whole purpose of this is he's trying to get rid of the narrator Mm -hmm. To fully become his own being. It's just interesting to me that, you know, Tyler throughout the book and the movie seems to be the guy that knows everything. He has all the answers. Like, he knows everything that's coming down the pike. But in this instance, it seems like the narrator even knows more than he does. Yeah. You know, usually that's a that's a Tyler thing. Like, this is going to get carried out by somebody else kind of thing. you think he would think of that. But well, it's the narrator that says, wait a second, this is all going to die with you. And I think that, I don't know, it's what we what we're going to come to realize at the end of the book, that that's his moment of clarity. And I think this is the mm. moment that he sees his power over Tyler. I see that. Yeah. Where he's like, "I'm in control now. You don't know what's going on because I'm in control now." Mm. And so I, I think that Tyler has believed himself in control the whole time and believes he, you know, is that he can't be beaten. Because he does know everything that's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. But the narrator has had enough of his shit. And <laughs> is going to be himself and takes control. And realizes, you know, this is this moment right here. In these first five pages, like we've talked about, you know, it gives away the movie. It, I mean, the book, it gives away the story. Yeah. Like, <laughs> especially sitting here breaking it down. Uh, which is, you know, why I wanted you to do this. Mm-hmm. Because... You and I spark ideas off each other so much, yeah. and just looking at this. So, so I got one for you then. 
<laughs> and this goes back to the Tyler as a person versus Tyler as an idea. Mm-hmm. In the book, the goal is to topple the building over to crush the museum. Mm-hmm. In the movie, is to topple the building to kill the credit uh, history and yeah. reset the world. So, again, in the book, yeah. and this goes back to history being written by winners and stuff, Tyler's trying to erase the past and form his own image and make people just focus on him mm-hmm. whereas in the movie I feel like he's thinks himself as a savior yeah. almost uh, and uh, caring and he, he even mentions it numerous times in the movie about caring you know I'll drag you kicking and screaming to a better place right. and I think in the book but Tyler as an idea is trying to reform the world for his own opinions and beliefs, but in the movie, he's trying to usher in a new age while acknowledging the past. But I feel like the Tyler is the idea is trying to reform everything hmm. and not reset it, but just kind of make everything Tyler. And yeah. in the in the movie, it's hey, this is what you had; it is gone now. You have to pick yourself up. Mm-hmm. But in like say in the in the book, it's you never had that; that was never there; that never existed. You only know Tyler Durden. Right. What, what what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I I would tend to agree with you on that. Um, the movie in the movie it seems that Tyler's <laughs> Tyler's idea of chaos is for the betterment of humanity. Um, it's it's like you said it's almost a it's like a a savior complex like or even a parent kind of thing like this is gonna hurt you. But it's it's gonna make you better in the end, to the extreme. Right, <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> um, hopefully your parents don't burn you with acid, you know, or, or do crazy stuff like that. If you do, don't let us know. Let the cops know. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> Please report that <laughs> and take care of yourself. But um, you know, I think it's just an extreme of that in the movie um, that he's saying, "This is how far we have to push humanity so that they can have self-realization, so they can." become better become a fulfilled kind of people um which is crazy i mean when we're watching the movie you think that he you would think that he has no respect for humanity or anything like that which he doesn't but in the same breath he he wants it to be better yeah i i would argue that he has respect for humanity but not for human cultures and traditions current humanity yeah yeah, yeah current standing humanity yeah, yeah. which and, you know, this movie is tw- almost 20 years old. This book's almost 20 years old. And I think now more than ever, you know, I m- agree with Tyler. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, all these reality TV shows and stuff, let's just, you know, let them... Blow it all up. Yeah. Try it again. <laughs> well, in the book, you know, one of the things that, that points to what you're saying is that the the destruction of the building is not to remove all debt. It's not to be like a, a credit crumbling thing. It actually says that the building is meant to fall in the National Museum, which is Tyler's real target. Um, and then he actually says after that, this is our world now. Our world. And those ancient people are dead. Yeah. And so, yeah, I definitely think you know, in the book, he's pointing towards molding the world after his image. Instead of you know, putting things in motion so that they can save themselves kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
that's stuff I didn't. I kind of thought about, but then once we started talking about it, it really well. But going back to uh, what you said about the parent role, you know, in here where he he's talking about stuff, um, just in this in this first chapter, you know, it it mentions. Um, gotta flip to it. Yeah, you gotta find it. We have we have our books, we have tablets, we have everything laid out here, and prepared. I think. You know, where he's talking about, and you mentioned it earlier, this, this isn't really death. The, you mm-hmm. know, this this isn't how you go. And I, I think that goes back to uh, parents wanting better for their kids. So, you know, he and he views, this goes back to him being so disjointed from the narrator at this point that he really views him as his caretaker. And he's like, hey, this isn't really death. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a legend. We're going to be fine. And I think uh, it it's really speaks to it. Pointing Fight Club to parenting. If you suck as a parent, you should watch Fight Club. Read Fight Club. <laughs> uh, for those of you that listen to my other shows, you know I have two boys. And uh, I haven't put them in a Fight Club yet. But we'll see. Uh, another thing in the first chapter, because uh, before we get like too off topic here, is... Uh, oh, pop it open. Who cares? Okay. This is this this is an adult show. I mean, right. we're talking about a movie. Uh, I think there, there's a quote kind of toward the end about how uh, the narrator. Let's see, I don't want to butcher it. So, God, I just—it's amazing how short this first chapter is, and there's so much that goes on in it. But they talk about how they have sort of a triangle thing going on here. I want Tyler. Tyler wants Marla. Marla wants me. And I think in the sense of the narrator to Tyler, it's not a a physical want. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I'm going to ask you a follow-up question <clears throat> on this. says something about that, too. Um, yeah, it, it talks about how it's no longer about love and caring. It's about property and ownership. And I would argue... That though, and this is something that you you taught me a long long time ago, is back in the day, there were three different types of love. Mm. Um, there was like intimate love, brotherly love, and like undone. fatherly love. Yeah, fatherly love, unconditional love. Yeah, okay. and I I think you kind of see that here because hmm. the narrator wants unconditional love from Tyler. Like he wants that father role, that acceptance. Um, and Marla, I think just wants like the physical intimacy love Mm -hmm. from the narrator. And then Tyler wants Marla as, you know, basically his queen Mm -hmm. in this new world. Uh, and again, going back to Fight Club 2, you know, give him an heir and to continue the idea of Tyler going. What I think is funny, just not to interrupt you. Oh no. But, um, it talks about instead of love and caring it's about property and ownership well Tyler is all about not having property and being free from things that would own him but yet, the things you own end up owning you exactly but in the same moment in the very beginning of the book it's saying that Tyler wants Marla as his property yeah which I think is very interesting well and it mentions right here that 
you know, I know all of this, the gun, the anarchy, the explosions is really about Marla Singer. So I think that's a perfect example of the things you own end up mm-hmm. owning, owning you. So him wanting to have that control over Marla, him mm-hmm. wanting to be with her and everything. Now she has influenced his life. Um, with, yeah. And right after that, it says without Marla, Tyler would have nothing. What do you think that means? Oh, man. That's... <laughs> so, on one hand, I feel like it's a weird version of peacocking to impress Marla. Yeah. Um, I would almost argue that the narrator created Tyler to impress Marla. You know, there's the line later on in the movie, I look like you want to look, talk like you want to talk, screw like you want to screw, all that kind of stuff. And it just got out of hand. So I would I would say that without Marla, there would be no Tyler. So Tyler wouldn't have... So yes, Tyler would have nothing if he didn't exist. Uh, and he just took it and ran with it. Whereas, you know, the narrator just wanted to be kind of smooth and suave and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just turned into this whole thing and this guy just wants to impress this girl who is a complete... Um, what's the word nihilist mm-hmm. because we'll we'll hit on here in a couple of chapters about she talks about she could die at any moment and the great tragedies that she didn't mm-hmm. and I think Tyler is uh, to throw in a comic book reference in, in Marvel comics there's uh, Thanos Thanos I call him Thanos who He's from Texas we can say it yeah <laughs> Thanos that big old that big old purple man Thanos uh Who's the big? Who's going to be the big villain in the upcoming Avengers movie? You know, we saw him at the end of Avengers and Age of Ultron, and saw him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, his whole purpose at this point is he fell in love with death in the Marvel universe. Death is like this chick who he wants to hook up with, so he's trying to impress her. Mm-hmm. And I think any human being, man or woman, can relate to. Doing stupid, stupid things to impress somebody uh, that you want to, you know, yeah. that you want to hook up with, and I think this is just the most extreme example of that. Hmm. So I think it's not necessarily that Tyler would have nothing; is that Tyler would be nothing right. without Marla. He wouldn't even be in existence. Yeah, what well, I was about to say that that leans towards our next chapter in. Actually, what I think, without getting too far into it, because we're going to talk about it on another podcast, but um, she actually, I think, maybe leads the narrator to create Tyler. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. Um, speaking of creating and everything, I was listening to the commentary track on the movie that Chuck did. Uh, a lot of times, it's just so you know, listeners... We call him Chuck. We're, I mean, <laughs> Mr. Polonick or it's anything his like last that. Name is so damn hard to say. Yeah, Polonick, Paul, Paul Polonick, Polonick, Paul. I don't know how you say it. Yeah, I, I've always heard Paul and Nick, like Paula and Nick, put together. Um, but we just call him Chuck because he's our boy, and he seems like the kind of guy that if you met him, I, I don't know. I was speechless when I met him, so I didn't really get to talk to him. I talked about how how hairy you were, Wiggy. That's the, the conversation <laughs> I had with Chuck Polonick was how hairy. My best friend is. Uh, it's fantastic. Which, that, that'll be a story for another time. But he was talking about how the creation of the book, you know, I, I just want to hit on 
the the creation of the book itself. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about he went on a camping trip with some friends. He's from up in you know the the Oregon Washington area. Um, I don't the Pacific West. Yeah, not Texas. And he was on a camping trip, and a bunch of jerks set up camp right next to him, and loud music, getting drunk, and all this stuff. He went over there to confront him, like, "Hey, turn your music down," and got in a fight. <laughs> and he said he showed up to work on Monday with just two black eyes and like a swollen face, and everybody like looked at the floor, looked him in the chest. Nobody would make eye contact with him. Even though obviously, like something happened, mm-hmm. something bad happened to this yeah. man, and he he has a, a saying on there. He says, "If you look bad enough, no one will ask what you do in your free time." And he thought it was interesting how you know people just are happy and complacent and don't want to acknowledge the harshness of reality mm-hmm. and rather just kind of skim over it and Be uh, comfortable, yeah. And you're not your khakis, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the basis of this book. That was the genesis of it. Uh, And knowing that, how do you feel, you know, taking that to a level, you know, how far do you go before you acknowledge something? And I I feel, Mm. I feel, this is a two-part question. First part is, you know, how far do you go without acknowledging something? And the second part is, how far is the narrator going before he acknowledges what Tyler is doing. Yeah. Like, the ultimate end goal of what Tyler is doing. <clears throat> well, I think the something that I, I read about Fight Club, somebody's interpretation of it, um, was that it's, it's basically all about an identity crisis. It's, it's, the, it's the very thing in the movie that we're talking about where um, the narrator is... In his own bubble, his own world, um, just skims through life kind of thing, not really being affected by anything around him or being, you know, he's not a progressive thinker. He doesn't want to change himself. And then there's Tyler on the opposite end that wants to destroy everything in chaos and and it all of the chaos is going to make us better. There's there's nothing that needs to be neutral or easygoing or, or anything like that. And, and so it's, I think it boils down to this identity crisis that I think we even have in our culture um, of, you know, do we keep our head down because the trouble's not worth it and and we just want to coast through life the easiest, calmest way that we can and just die without conflict or do we want to push the envelope, do we want to be a progressive thinker, stir up a little mischief and maybe come out a better person on the other side? And so I think ultimately that's that's what's happening in the book. That's what's being talked about. Yeah, you know, there, there's a great quote in here, and I, I use it a lot. Uh, you know, it's only after you've lost everything that you're free to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's only after disaster that you can be resurrected. And uh, ironically enough, the band Bowling for Soup, who is known as, you know, big jokesters, big pranksters, they have a line in one of their songs that if you never lose, you never learn to want to win. Mm-hmm. And I, I put that with the Fight Club mentality a lot because it's, you know, there there's no such thing as not a non-learning experience. Yeah. And the more extreme the experience, the more extreme the knowledge is going to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I anybody that knows you and I, 
they know we definitely fall into that category of yeah. we're going to push our bubble. We're going to see absolutely what, you know, and if it breaks us, it breaks us. But, and even, again, here in this, this first chapter, you know, where we're talking about the taste of a gun, where we're talking about how to blow things up, where, you know, we're, we're talking about everything. It just, I, I don't know. Hey, another thing, after we read that first paragraph earlier, you know, it mentions Tyler and I were best friends. No, they, they were best friends. Mm-hmm. It, but it doesn't say where they are now. You know, it's... It, this is a horrible example, but it makes me think of the Mitch Hedberg joke. I used to do drugs. <laughs> I, I still, still do, do <laughs> but I used to, too. So, you know, are they still friends? And that's something that... And, and again, going back and rereading and rewatching Fight Club, mm-hmm. just you realize how much knowledge is dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when they're talking about the silencers, I mean, this whole, these first few pages, you learn how to make a silencer. You learn <laughs> how to blow things up. You learn all sorts of stuff. So descriptive. You know, I, as far as like, I think the second part of your question was, did uh, the narrator allow it to go too far, yeah. basically? I don't know. Maybe, uh, Maybe that's a question y'all should discuss amongst yourselves. You know, was it, did he let it go too far or was it just right? You know, in, in the movie, of course, if you haven't read the book, you got to know that it's completely different. The ending is completely different yeah. than the movie. But in the movie, it almost gives off an air of, this is a weird time. He actually says it's a weird time in my life, but it seems like it's almost like just, peace. just the right timing. Like, yeah. Just the right timing to have that realization. So, I don't know. Maybe it was too far. Maybe he did push it too far. But, but I mean, it's... Oh, I don't know, man. It's... We just we just talked for almost 40 minutes on what is essentially... Because two of the pages are half pages. So, what is essentially four pages of story. <laughs> we're, we're 40 minutes in. And I there's just so much... Uh, a couple of other things I wanted to, to hit on real quick was the David Fincher, the director, he wanted to put subliminal messaging in the credits. And he mm. wanted to change up the logos and things. And they wouldn't let him. But they did on the Blu-ray. If you haven't seen Fight Club on Blu-ray, mm. it's it's great because... And you commented... Because right. we watched a little bit before we started. Uh, when you put it in, it brings up Never Been Kissed. And it, then it goes kind of just awesome, weird, and I don't know what I don't know how to describe that. It's <laughs> like phase out that yeah. it does, and it goes. Although I do miss on the DVD, it showed the FBI warning that was really a warning from Tyler yeah. about if you're reading this, get out and meet somebody. Mm-hmm. And then it has the that Brad Pitt laugh, yeah, and goes to the main <laughs> menu, <laughs> like. Both of those are are so good and and so much fun. They I think really kind of s- sets the stage. You know, since we're looking at chapter one and what sets the stage for the things to come, I think both of those were perfect examples of, hey, this isn't a story like you've read before. Mm-hmm. This isn't something you've seen. You may think you know what's going on, and 
Uh, you know, I was going to wait and talk about this toward the end, but I, I do want to talk about it now. Because <laughs> it, 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 it grinds my gears. Uh, How many people, because I know you and I both have introduced so many people to Fight Club. Mm-hmm. You know, we were introduced to it and spread the wealth. And yeah. how many people have you shown Fight Club to or talked about Fight Club to that they knew the ending? They're like, oh, I knew it from the start. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people, actually. And, you know, I think both of us had maybe hints of what was coming. But, again, I think it's just Chuck's a good writer. I mean... If you haven't read his other stuff, you should check out some of his other works, too, because he's, he's just really a a very good, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, he's He's, not, he's I, elaborate, and he writes well. And, and oh, he, he, if this show puts, does well, we should do Choke. That would be fun. Um, puts good spins on things, and, and I think he, he digs deep um, to really, you know, I think he has meaning behind things, but I think he really wants people to think about yeah. what's happening. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I had people that... <laughs> said oh yeah i totally knew the end of that just like i mean I've, i know i've shown a couple of people fight club and they're like oh yeah i totally knew that was coming and you're like bullshit yeah. <laughs> there's no way that you knew that was coming i i think it's a, a pride thing because like we've looked here in the first few pages if you know what's going to happen they lay it out for you yeah. throughout the whole book throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. and when it is revealed you just look back and you're like i'm a moron mm-hmm. how did i not see this but it, you don't see it until you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think mm-hmm. it's people who don't want to admit that. Oh, I didn't pick up on all those things. Yeah, and so it's uh. So, I heard a rumor. You might have told me this, <laughs> that Chuck liked the movie better than the book. Okay, so about <laughs> this. Um, oh, actually, Derek tagged me in the thing. Elmo Drafthouse posted about how Chuck likes the movie better than the book. Not entirely true. Okay. He likes the ending uh, and how they met. Okay. Because we'll get to it here pretty soon about how they met uh, in the book versus how they met in the movie. And it is, I mean, you couldn't be mm-hmm. more different. And he did enjoy the ending more. But that's all I've ever heard him say mm-hmm. is that he enjoyed the movie ending more than his book ending. But, again, after reading Fight Club 2, he kind of pokes fun at the movie ending and, and everything mm-hmm. like that, too. So it makes you kind of wonder. It's uh, I just thought it'd be fun to ask. I'm sure it's going to come up in debate multiple times throughout oh, the yeah. podcast. And if you haven't read the book, then you have no room to talk. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this was one of those rare cases. You know, usually you read the book and then you go see the movie. But the movie was so good mm-hmm. that it, it pushed both of us. To go read the book, right? And and I'm I'm glad we did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, it's it's one of the better books I've ever read. So, uh, I think that's all we got. That's all I got for chapter one. That's all I got too, man. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you think. You can leave comments here below or over on Facebook. You can find us on uh, Facebook at Paper Street Podcast. You can email us uh, Paper Street Podcast at outlook.com or find us on Twitter. We're Paper Street Pod. We're out there. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we do respond. Well, I say we respond to everything we get, but this is the first show, so we haven't gotten anything right. yet. But we will. We will. And uh, stay tuned, because we're going to be giving out some cool prizes, doing things like that, having a lot of fun. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Again, I'm Lance. And I'm Wiggy. And 
we're gonna have to edit something in right here. <laughs> we didn't talk about how we wanted to end we the didn't show. Talk about how we wanted to end the show. Oh, <clears throat> didn't we talk about it? I thought we, we talked about it. I don't know. I kind of want to leave all this in at this point. I know. Uh, I wish there was a way to like verbally flash a big penis in the middle of this <laughs> cigarette burn. Yeah. Uh, a podcast cigarette burn. Let us know how to do that. And on that super awkward note, that's how we're going to finish our first show. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See ya.